As you've maybe heard in previous episodes or in my newsletter, the letters I write out of the Ghana mountains where I live, sometimes I share about my husband. I am married, but that wasn't always the case. Stronger. I never thought I would marry. And I actually had already given up hope that I would even find a partner. My whole life, falling in love, relationships, dating, it was a mess. Most of the time I was single and when I was together with someone, it was a short period of time or I knew when the end date would be. Most of the time when I was in Belgium, I knew I would go traveling for a long time, so wouldn't need to stay together. And when I was abroad, I knew when I would go back to Belgium to go continue my study or something. I make this podcast episode for anyone who also feels in the same boat, has a feeling love, or let's say a partner, doesn't come easy, or is already single for a long time. When I was in that period of my life, I would have loved to read or hear more about it. And I loved hearing stories of people who finally found someone. So if this is you too, keep on listening. And if you are a parent, this might be interesting too. And if this is not you, maybe you know someone who you can send it to or who would love it. What I noticed with myself is that there are different phases of awareness when it comes to unavailable, unattainable, unreachable love. In the beginning, when I was falling for unavailable guys, I felt fear. I couldn't be myself, but I thought that was normal. I would want more than the guy, but the guy didn't want to commit. And so I was pointing the finger at the guy on one hand, and on the other hand, I was thinking, why me? Poor me. So I put myself in a situation as a victim. And in any situation in life where we make ourselves a victim, we make ourselves powerless too. Life is happening to us. And there is not a lot we can do. It's the opposite of empowering yourself and taking responsibility for what's happening. But so I wasn't there yet. I was the victim. I felt sad and hurt. Oh, why was this happening to me? Then I came across this quote that said, The way your father loved you is the love you know and the love you think you deserve. Or something like that. And so I went on a whole journey of discovery into that. And I quickly realized indeed that the boys I was falling for all had similar behaviors as what I had known from my own dad. They were fun to be with, good people, but unreliable. They would say something, but not do it. There would be periods without contact. There weren't really deeper or intimate conversations. I've sung the song, You Gotta Show Me Love, Actions Speak Louder Than Words, more times than I can count. <laughs> the amount of times I had this conversation in my head, if I should text or not, what I should say, how much time I should leave in between texts, I cannot count. Looking back at it, it's ridiculous and a waste of time. It was acting out of fear that a guy wouldn't like me anymore if I would show or share too much of myself. And there was this deep insecurity and fear of losing the guy. And so out of that fear, I would say or do things that looking back weren't me. Can you imagine trying to grab a person, trying to find a love, a partner that was unavailable in a way, just because that was the love I knew? 
from my own dad, the dad who wasn't present, and me as a little girl trying to make him love me or be present. It's sad, you know. I kept the circle going, and with that, I pained myself so much. I felt like a small girl, often insecure, not loved, alone. I often was disappointed. I was also really good in making excuses for the behavior of the guy. Oh, but it's because he's having a hard time. Or, oh, but he's still learning that. Or, but he's such a good guy, he has such a good heart. Or, we have such a deep connection. Yeah, man, you can't marry potential. You can't build on promises. Everyone has potential, but who says they will reach it and when? You want to be with someone who satisfies you now. But good. So first, I felt like a victim. Then I started digging in my past, the relationship with my father and the wounds around it. And I invested in healing the pain and trauma around not having a present father. This took me a very long time. I can say I've healed the biggest chunk, but you're not going to hear me say I've healed it completely because I believe deep wounds can take a lifetime to heal. But at some point in healing work, you come around a time that you've healed the biggest chunk. You see situations change in your life. Well, even though I had healed a lot there, nothing was changing. The only thing that changed was that I was aware now. I wasn't seeing myself as a victim anymore, and I had found a way to work around this topic. That's also how I learned about attachment styles and the fear to commit. I always denied I had fear of commitment. I always thought it was the other person who didn't want to commit or who didn't want to be a couple. <laughs> how good it can be to get to know yourself and to self-reflect. I was the one running away. And when I found out that I had an avoidant attachment style, everything started to make sense. I was the one who couldn't commit with guys who seemingly looked as if they also couldn't commit. Meanwhile, after being with me, they would easily be together with another woman for years. The thing I was longing for so much. Ouch. When you know your attachment style and have that insight, you also know more what your contribution is to the whole thing. But you also know what you need. I was actively pushing possible relationships away. Because if someone did feel available or present or attainable, so actually someone with a healthy attachment style, I would always find a reason why he wasn't the right person for me. The amount of self-sabotage, it is real. It was just too scary for me. I wasn't ready. And because of my own self-sabotage, I really wouldn't find the available man attractive. He would be too sweet, or there would be something in his face that I wouldn't like. Yeah, it was really that crazy. <sighs> and so I kept on falling in love with these guys that were, quote-unquote, safe to me. They were unattainable, they didn't really want a deeper connection. So unconsciously, I knew I wouldn't need to have a relationship with them. Isn't that the weirdest what a contradiction. Consciously longing for their love and attention and a relationship, but unconsciously pushing them away. So, 
first I felt a victim. Then I worked around the wounds out of my past, around my father. Then I understood my attachment style and saw that I was self-sabotaging out of fear of commitment. You would think all this knowledge and healing would have changed something. But no, the most important step was still to come. The step to choose to do it differently. Choosing to do it differently means that you consciously choose certain things instead of letting your unconscious rule. I could rationally see what was going on, where my wounds were, where my pitfalls were, where I was sabotaging. And by now I also have become an expert in the men I was falling for and what behavior they had. So to change my unhealthy, unconscious choices, I was going to consciously choose differently. Wait, can you have unconscious choices? <laughs> anyway, the biggest and most difficult change was that I didn't let myself engage anymore with men who I could already smell from afar had those unavailable, unreachable features. I wasn't blaming them, I just accepted them for what they were and realized I had the same problem as they had and therefore we wouldn't be a good match. This was so difficult because my unconscious was still pulling me to these type of men. Those were the men my heart was beating faster for and I was attracted to. So it felt as such a mindfuck because you want it, you desire it, but you try to choose not to go for it. It was weird at first, as if I was doing something wrong or counterintuitive even. But looking back at it, that was one of the most important choices. And another important change was that I thought about what was important to me. What are my limits? What behavior is acceptable from myself towards the guy and what not? What behavior is acceptable from the guy towards me and what not? So if I would find myself, for example, not planning anything and keeping everything in my agenda open so that I definitely would be available when the guy could meet, that would be unacceptable behavior for myself from now on. Just as when I would be very scared to share my opinion or point out certain behavior. If I would feel fearful, that would be a red flag on my side. And then I reflected on all the red flags from the guy. For example, not texting back or taking a long time to text back. Not doing what he says, not showing interest in me or my life, always finding excuses not supporting me, and so on. If I read this now, it's so normal that these are red flags, but back then it was, it was difficult, you know? But so I chose, knowing these red flags, I chose, I just would not accept it anymore. And I choose for myself. Whenever I would see or feel a red flag, I would stop. People, this was really so difficult. But it is really the way how I changed my unhealthy dynamics. The problem was that there was a very long period that I wouldn't find any guy that I would find interesting. Mind you, I was still sabotaging myself when I met available, responsible, mature men. Available men still felt boring to me. But I kept on going and I also started visualizing the man that I wanted to invite in my life and how that would feel. I would sometimes literally visualize in bed that I would wake up and he would lie next to me or would hug me from the back when I'm doing the dishes, that we would make plans as a team. 
I could see it and I could feel it. It was difficult to believe it though. And that was because that feeling of having someone present was actually entirely new to me. I didn't know that feeling. I believe that visualization and feeling it really was preparing me to get used to that feeling, to get to know that feeling. I believe that in a way I was programming my subconscious. When I turned 30, I really started to give up hope. It was the first time I asked myself how my life would look like without a partner or children. It was a difficult question and it brought pain because that wasn't the thing I wanted, right? But at the same time, it also gave relief. I actually could see how I could have a fulfilling life in that way too. It was the first time I wasn't fighting the idea of maybe not having a partner and that definitely gave me some peace, even though it came together with grief. When I met my now husband, I would have never thought we would get married. We were first friends. I had a deep, deep respect for him. But I wasn't thinking or feeling something else right away. It was all so much more different than what I had experienced, than what I had ever experienced. He was respectful, mature, present, understanding, and it felt so safe. I could just be myself. When we grew closer to one another and everything became more intimate, I felt the same dynamics coming up within me. My avoidant attachment style was arising. I could feel suffocated too quickly. I needed space alone. I had a tendency to turn away, to run away. <laughs> but the difference was that I felt safe enough to show how I felt. I explained my complex experiences with love and my attachment style. And my partner listened. He read about it. And he understood what I was going through. And he gave me the space I needed so I could slowly heal. Or get used to this new situation, you know. The first weeks were so healing and so emotional for me. To feel this man staying, being present, it felt like a miracle to me. I honestly wasn't believing anymore that it was possible. Until it was. In my relationship with him, I never needed to guess what he was feeling. Be scared of how and when I was going to text I could share what I feel, knowing he would stay. I was at ease, at peace. And I still am. I believe being in this healthy relationship has even healed parts of my attachment style, as I have different needs now than I used to have. So yeah, in a way, it came full circle, if that's an expression in English. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to my story. I truly hope in one way or another... It helps you. And if you feel like, hmm, I want to dive deeper into all of this, Rooted Within might be for you. It's actually created for people who have a dream or an idea or a project that they want to bring into the world, but who are holding back, who are still confronted with fears. But it's also created for people who want to be more themselves, show themselves more to the world, dare to speak their own truth, so I realized with making this podcast, like, whoa, everything you learn 
and go through in Rooted Within is so helpful for people who are falling for unavailable men because it has so much to do with truly choosing you, breaking through fear or learning how to deal with fear, setting boundaries, daring to show yourself, to choose for yourself, to know yourself. And Rooted Within is an online journey for multiple months where you go through different experiences. There is an online platform with different videos, teachings, exercises, self-reflection questions and healing facilitation. And aside that, we have live gatherings if you feel like joining those two. So if you're interested, go to the show notes and sign up for the waiting lists. When you're on the waiting list, you will be the first one who will be able to sign up for this very transformative experience. So exciting. I can't wait to have you join us. And again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. Feel free to share with people you know might find this interesting too or might like it too. And if you have the time, take some time to write a review and leave it on Apple Podcasts or give some beautiful stars on Spotify. It makes other people find this podcast too. Thank you so much and until the next one. Bye-bye.